0: Good evening, Primetime Partiers, it's Primetime Party time. Welcome back to our hour of all things media and entertainment, live on the air at 9pm at ptptshow.com and on your time wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight we are time traveling back across the pond to binge watch the British comedy classic, Faulty Towers, for this edition of Primetime Abroad. We're going to look back on how this landmark comedy has influenced shows originating inside and outside of the UK. It's good to note that this was one of John Cleese's first projects after Monty Python's Flying Circus. So, for all those Monty Python fans that haven't watched this, this is a this is a gem. This is definitely one of my favorite shows from childhood. <laughs> says a lot
1: (laughs) you know as not a monty python fan uh originally um i've I've learned a lot about monty python about john cleese's monty python uh career and of course the show faulty towers uh which we'll get to in just a second tracy did you have a toast and or a roast this week
0: oh yeah for the toasts and roasts my toast for this week or as it should I shouldn't say toast because I am talking about another breakfast item. Um, I actually haven't fully tried it yet, but I did eye it. But I was having a bit of a meh day, and I got this uh, Pokemon cereal. They have Pokemon cereal? They do. What? And I really committed because they only had a family size, so I hope it's good. So <laughs> it's it basically looks, though, like it's Crunch Berries with, you know, Pikachu-shaped Lucky Charm marshmallows. So I don't really it. feel like you can go wrong. Obviously, it's a dessert cereal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't start my day this way, or else I don't know how I, would, <laughs> how I would be. It just seems unnatural. But, like, I really like sugary cereal at night. I feel like it's correct. Um, so, yeah, that's my main toast. Though I also started watching Demon Slayer, the anime. And it is quite good. It's very interesting because it's like the art is very like high def. And I'll have to fact check it. But the voice actor for the main character sounds very similar to the voice actor who does the English dub for My Hero Academia. So I'm like, you guys are either the same person or just have some really similar like voice inflections. Because when they get a little bit like anxiety, anxiety. It sounds very similar, but that, that could just be uh, a style. <laughs> so, it could also be the well, same person. It could also be the same person. Cause this does happen a lot when I watch animes where I'm like, this person sounds kind like for, especially for the English dub, you kind of feel like this is the same person, but then you, you know, you second guess yourself. You're like, it can't be. And then you're like, no, it was. it was the same person. And a lot of them stay in similar shows. So, yeah, I'll have to look into that. But so far, I'm a fan. It's
1: good. Don't have to ask you what it's about, right? It's demon slayers?
0: You know, it's really funny because we've also been in, you know, we're building up to an Inuyasha episode later in this year. And it's definitely supposed to take place in a similar time zone. Like they don't, like Inuyasha specifically says, like they're in the warring states period. This time, they don't really say anything, but they're in like traditional clothing and they are slaying demons and in inuyasha they have like those demon slayer tribes and this is kind of one of those so you're like or the in this show they call it the demon slayer core okay so i'm like it's kind of cool because it's kind of like looking at you know in inuyasha you're kind of like you know very kind of specifically somewhat like sympathetic for the demons because inuyasha and seishomaru are like main characters but in this show it's very much like you know they are very much more the enemy except for what happens in the first episode that is kind of the main premise is that his family is like slaughtered by like this super demon and then like but his sister apparently like the demon blood was close to her wounds, so she's kind of like become one but she weirdly just instead of like attacking just because i guess it's supposed to be like after they fight they need to like feed on humans to get their energy back kind of like vampires but she just sleeps like full-on sleeps for like a month <laughs> <laughs> so she's just napping she has like a little like mouth guard basically <laughs> to keep her from biting. but yeah so there's like a story there i i'm very shallow in the episode count. So okay. I'm sure people who have watched this show more thoroughly are like, you're in for it. You're gonna find those you're twists. Slay some and demons. Yeah, because they definitely have like set out things where it's like, ooh, your sword turned a different color. And I'm like, mm, are they gonna end up being like quarter demon or something? This always happens. <laughs> right. I watch so many shows like <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> you
1: know the tropes of like demon slayer animes.
0: Yeah. Like I start with you, youhaku show, and then I just like go the demons into and that Inuyasha. One? Like, Now I'm here. Like I was started to watch Hunter x Hunter, which I think is also somewhat similar, but I watched like one episode and I was like, I'm gonna get into that. But then I another toast is like my cousin turned 18, which was fun, and I gave her a Yukata, which is like a traditional a summer kimono so that she'd have her own. And, like, one of her friends was like, this is what they wear in the Demon Slayer anime. And then one of her other friends retorted, like, now that's just because you're watching something in a certain time period. (laughs) It's not only in that anime. I was was like, oh, the new generation. I love it. So quick. Um, But, yeah, so mostly toast this week. My main roast is just, like... (sighs) I get very upset when I deal with incompetence. That is my main, my main plague. So like I have to, without getting too into it, I just had to make a lot of phone calls to do some adult things. And there's just people who don't answer their emails on time or correctly or just don't give clear instructions and from a work perspective i just get very annoyed because i'm like if i acted like you i just wouldn't have a job
1: yeah that's always the worst for sure
0: and then i'm like and you're in an industry that makes way more money what's going on
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's real pain in that
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's there's some pain in that you're just like wait what (laughs) there are not good standards everywhere Uh. no and also because my Faces the way it is. Like I feel like sometimes people are like she won't care, and I'm like I care. I would like it to still be efficient. <laughs> I know it looks like I don't ever get angry, but it can. This round, round face can get very angry if it tries. So, that's my main rest. What is your toast and rest for this week?
1: Um, you know I will toast to competence. I guess I. Okay, <laughs> I guess here's what's going on. Uh, yeah. My work supervisor is yeah. off to new projects. Oh. Uh, and, and he came into our organization and um, amazingly inspirational. You know, it's <gasps> it's always great when, yeah. uh, and, and it's really hard to find are just those people that are like really, Definitely. really inspirational, that you're going to take their qualities, that you're going to take their methods uh, for yeah. the rest of your career. And uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been great working under him and uh and I don't know, you know. Sometimes, like most people, are okay. Yeah. yeah a few people are, you know, duds. But uh, when you get someone really great, <laughs> it's it's worth a lot. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth a yeah, lot. It. So, uh, toasting that. And because I'm toasting that, I uh, don't really have uh, any roasts. But we did get, uh, in lieu of a roast, um, a uh, little bit of a listener mail about a, uh, another vote for Demon Slayers. Apparently, it is pretty good. So, Woo. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah,
1: that, that'll be it for me. Um, now we get to toast pretty much a ton of incompetence uh, with our talk on faulty towers.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's where we come back in. And we talk about faulty Towers. And I'm going to let you take this one away because you know the show pretty well, don't you?
0: I do. This is one I watched as a kid. It was part of my, I don't think it was very intentional, but I kind of did like comedy of the decades as a child. I think my parents didn't love like children's shows. So they were just like, we'll just have you guys watch older shows that we One way to deal with that. (laughs) That are like, you know, not going to be explicit or profane in any way you'll just have lots of dry humor that no one will understand until you're an adult um so faulty towers this is obviously a comedy it is about john cleese stars as basil faulty the manic and much put upon hotel manager whose life is plagued by dead guests hotel inspectors and riffraff and this is the official logline from Netflix. Series creators are John Cleese and Connie Booth, who were married at the time of the show being created. They parted ways after season two. And then the main cast as follows is John Cleese as Basil Fawlty, Prunella Scales as Sybil Fawlty, Andrew Sachs as Manuel, Connie Booth as Polly Sherman, and Ballard Brickley as Major Gunn. It aired from 1975 to 1979. It has two seasons, or as they would say in the UK, they had two series and 12 episodes. You can currently watch it on BritBox and BBC, and also, you know, there are some definitely uh, YouTube episodes that you could find if you were in a pinch, you know. So, it's out on the internet for you to enjoy. So... Yeah. So Faulty Towers is definitely a show. And I think a lot of our discussion will be around this before we go into our favorite episodes and moments. It is one that has impacted subsequent shows in the US and UK. So I think if you are a big fan of workplace comedies, this is kind of one of the first of its kind. And even shows like the office the british version has like a in their first episode they pretty much do a homage to basil faulty for a very memorable episode that we'll get into later but yeah and even there have been shows made like from a list from met tv of 11 vintage american sitcoms that were inspired by british series there is a claim that um, Cheers was heavily inspired by Faulty Towers and it was originally supposed to take place at an inn and then they switched it to be a bar. It became its own entity, which Good. is what you want something to do. That's
1: exactly how things should be. That's exactly how inspiration works. Good for Cheers.
0: Yeah. And John Cleese even goes to star in a season five episode. So that's kind of a wink oh, awesome. to people who like TV facts without it being too much of a on-the-nose. That being said, we've obviously seen things like The Office where the American version is very similar to the UK version with cast. But again, it becomes its own show because it's still very different and has a different energy from the original. So getting back into it, it's just, I don't know. I feel like... We're talking here on a Monday night and Faulty Towers is kind of like a show where every episode is they're all <laughs> having a case of the Mondays in this <laughs> in this inn. And, you know, there's de- definitely probably been situations where you'd love to handle a a work dispute the way Basil Faulty does. But if you did, you probably wouldn't be staying at wherever you're working for that long because, you know, he is his trademark is definitely. Flying off the handle and mouthing off <laughs> sarcastically to guests, inspectors, guests, and inspectors. It's, it's funny because they happen more than once. So yeah, Daniel, what are, what's your history with this show since I know you watched it for the first time for this episode?
1: I probably knew this existed. Um, I knew John Cleese existed. He's the emotional crux of the 2004 film Shrek 2 but Ooh. I don't know him apart, like you know. Monty Python was on at Friends' house, and I'm pretty sure I pieced the entire movie together just by going over enough times. Uh, with that said, yeah, I, I had never really thought that the first sort of workplace comedy that would have inspired the British versions of The Office and and other workplace comedies to to, to come uh, would be this show. Uh, would be a little show about a little in. Uh, so this is really my first week with the show. Now that said this is a pretty fun show to study yeah. uh, you know despite the fact and, and your parents I, I think to their point it's a very loud very physical show uh, <laughs> so, so there there's there's a lot to sort of ingest even if you're not catching all the, all the wit um, yeah. but uh, yeah this is this is one that's like really fun uh, behind the scenes yes. uh, so like the, the in in the character of Basil, Basil faulty is like what really makes i guess it all like that, that that's what a lot of the love towards this series comes from um and it's so fun to hear the story of i guess that they were working on monty python and they were having dinner at at this hotel uh called uh what is it is it the Glen Eagle?
0: Yeah, um, Glen Eagles in Torquay, I think is how you say it, but yeah, it's in Devon, England.
1: And the hotel manager, uh, who he's name-dropped like a billion times in his career, yeah. David Sinclair, was so insanely rude to them and so off-putting in all of their interactions during their time at this hotel uh, that they ended up making quite a, a bit of their career based off this guy, uh, yeah. which is kind of fantastic. That's, that's, it's, uh, that's classic sort of writing, right, is just the finding observing a character in real life. And as I understand it, they brought that character to the screen uh, with an episode of another uh, like sitcom that uh, John Cleese was writing for. And one of the execs, uh, apparently the, the character played him so well and he was written so well on the one-off that he was on whatever show he was on. I forget the name of it. I guess a network exec told John Cleese, like, eh, there's there's a series in that character. And eventually, Connie Booth and, and John Cleese wrote the series to it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the character of Basil Fawlty and his, his rage building up to, to a climax every single episode of him trying to manage this little inn um, and finding everyone around him incompetent in his own incompetence uh, it is a delight. And it's a delight to see that it's from such a fun experience uh, that these people actually had, and that this character uh, that this person um, was able to sort of affect them so much that they shared them that they shared him with the world. And now we all love him.
0: It seems like a really good outlet for instead of being, you know, kind of like my roast of the week frustrated and just being like, oh, this is, how are people like this? what if you just like wrote a script and it got picked up right? <laughs> and you just like embodied these kind of, you know, people who are theatrical in real life kind of characters, even if they're negative. And then it's, your, you kind of, you know, I guess, obviously if you're at like this person's rank of, you know, comedian, writer, etc., you're able to just take that even higher. I mean, like I can just, be him and be... like <laughs> yeah i can just channel that specific person and just put them in all sorts of you know both larger than life but very realistic situations it's one of those kind of similar to like seinfeld where you do think like oh, does this happen to people all the time but then it does it does and it's, it's a and that's like spectrum, the thing where it's, it's like, does you know people have been to hotels with a rat (laughs) that's present and you know they even have shows or like movies like the movie chef where it's all about you know the kitchen freaking out and setting up a meal for the food critic that's always you know under some sort of disguise and that's kind of how he's trying to figure out in the hotel inspector episode of like who's here is like the actual hotel inspector. And do I have to just cater to anyone who's like extra, you know, picky in particular for today. And, you know,
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, okay. So we're talking about the hotel inspector episode. All this right, one's one you know, of my favorites. Get into it. Um This one in, in I, it's good context too, for the Basil character, because good there's best. a lot of motivation in the only people that this this person is remotely respectful towards are the people with any sort of power above him that has power over his establishment, over his miserable life that he can't <laughs> escape, nor does he seem to want to. Uh, yeah. Seeing that the, those are the only people that he'll really sort of like buck and be a professional manager towards, uh, all <laughs> while he's particularly like in watching him fume uh, while he's basically annoyed at every interaction he's having, um, and as the sort of the, the dining hall or, or the restaurant in the hotel, everything is always going wrong between everybody, always ordering there. Uh, but in this particular one, he has a little more restraint. And and seeing that because he, he believes all these people are wrongly, it uh, turns out none of them are, but hotel inspectors, um, it's pretty hilarious and, and pretty telling. Um
0: Yeah. It's the best moment I think is towards the end where he realizes two of the most kind of like over the top needy customers were both not the inspectors. And one of them who is maybe a little bit more pulled in, he kind of let him go. And then the guy who is like, you know, asking to have all these, you know, like, I won't eat anything that's not fresh so oh were the peas frozen in this then i can't have it i'll just have a cheese salad he's like what do you mean like just give me fresh cheese (laughs) and he's asking to like can i reserve the tv at this hour to play this like bird sitcom (laughs) or not bird sitcom bird documentary on the bbc and you're just like like this person it's definitely something where you're like they've overheard this conversation happening and we're like we gotta put that Uh. in an episode but then they end it with a very slapstick comedy move where the guy who has made all these outrageous requests is about to leave. And he takes like three cream pies and just pies him in the face, you know, stomach in the back. And then as he goes in to check in these three people, he's like, "Yeah, hey, how are you doing? And then he just kind of like realizes all of a sudden that after he just moments after he'd pied this guest, that these three people who are looking at him are definitely the actual hotel inspectors. (laughs) And he just does a guttural (laughs) scream as he's just like, how are you doing? Ah!" So yeah, it's those moments are funny because you can kind of see the influences of, you know, Monty Python is known for a lot of just kind of like classic, you know, slapstick comedy of just, you know, you know, and taking kind of, you know, nods from older TV because, like, the pie in your face is very, like, you know, three stooges type deal. So I think that they do a good mix of doing these kind of, like, would someone actually do that? And then mixing it in with the good humanistic reaction of, like, oh, my gosh, I just did that, and now I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) They don't really have too many consequences come in, but it's also, like, when you think about hotels too and it takes a lot even I think because you know hotels are there because you'll need to stay sometimes if you're just like you know especially in like the countryside like there's not too many to choose from so I think they're able to kind of have enough of these scenarios and still keep their doors open (laughs) at least that's what we're we're told to believe in the faulty towers series so yeah the hotel inspectors is a great one to watch from season one it's definitely one we would we would recommend another one that i'll recommend and the other thing about the hotel inspector that i think is kind of funny too is if you're someone who likes gordon ramsay's kitchen nightmares it's kind of like you're on the side of the kitchen (laughs) that's a good way to put it that's a good way to put it (laughs) so you're just like watching everything unravel in the background and i'm trying to keep it together and not get in trouble which happens multiple times because there's always someone here to kind of be like i it's funny because they're all supposed to be adults but in this show they're definitely acting like how are we not getting in trouble today (laughs) 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 by someone whether it be the customer (laughs) (laughs) Or an authority figure, because it's true. It does seem like Basil obviously is not a fan of authority figures, but then he's like very worried about, you know, anything actually happening to the inn. So then he'll kind of switch gears and put on a good face when someone... Someone there to catch him. I so love. Other, oh, yeah.
1: sorry. I love all the times that like him and Polly, uh, Basil and Polly are at odds, and yet yes. they have to come together all, all the time. <laughs> and especially in the hotel inspector episode, where Basil yells for for the guy to shut up, and and he kind of talks back, or the guy kind of talks back to Basil, like, "What did you just say?" And him and Polly have to sort of like. Do a little bit, a a little physical, like who are we talking to? Bit um, that gets you know this customer on their side and and gets them to start blaming the chef for the problems (laughs) and whatnot. And uh, it's it's definitely one of those kind of fun. Like everybody in this hotel is pitted against each other until they're forced to join forces based on some ridiculous happening. Uh, Yeah, it's especially fun with characters like Pauly Manuel.
0: Oh yeah, they're great. And another one that's fun is Gourmet Night. So gourmet night is supposed to be that it's kind of like these people keep coming in and complaining about the food so they're like we'll do a night where we make like really nice food but what's funny is like the hotel is clearly like not equipped to make really fancy food so they'll have things where like Polly will bring someone something and they'll be like this is green she's like don't tell anyone about it we can only make one and then there's like a kid that was seated at the table and complaining that like none of the chips are good and he really needs salad cream which is I think like similar to a ranch dressing type situation mm. and like he what's I think kind of <laughs> relatable at this point of my life but like this kid is being like super rude to Basil and obviously he is not having it with like a kid who's being overly mouthy of like all of the food here is shit <laughs> and and you do like watch him kind of talk back and get at this kid's level and go yeah it's it's pretty bad when you see that happen in real life because no one can really do anything and you just kind of sit and go like we feel bad for the waiter that the kid's being mean to him, but it obviously on faulty towers they they hype it up and go oh no this kid is going to like have a full on argument with Basil and have no fear and then the mom kind of is like well what kind of establishment doesn't have salad cream and they just go in in on it and it's definitely another one of those episodes where yeah the staff is always at odds with each other until the guests start attacking the the staff and then they're like ah now we must team up (laughs) (laughs) But weirdly enough, and I don't know if this happens Hmm. in a lot of shows, but my favorite episode is actually the last episode of the entire series, which is Basil and the Rat. So for this one, that kind of wraps up a lot of where the show is going. And after we chat about this episode, we can talk about some fun facts as well as some other episodes, but... Just since it's like the final episode, you do get a lot out of it. But basically, on the rat is that Manuel allegedly has this pet Siberian hamster that is a white rat that he keeps in the kitchen. And that just so happens when this, you know, friendly pet is revealed that is also the health inspector coming to inspect the hotel. So, Daniel, hmm. how did you feel about this episode, watching it for the first time?
1: It's a great one to end on. It, this is one of those episodes where, and they knew it was ending. They only wrote six episodes for, for each series here. And uh, so they definitely knew that this was going to be the the last produced one. Um, there are a lot of fun facts about this episode in particular and, and the second yes. series. Um, this This is also the only episode to have a pre-recorded scene uh, due to the rat. <laughs> um, but so, th- so they have an actual rat running around the stage with them. But uh, something something that does make this a, a somewhat special episode is that it does it, it, John Cleese sort of describes it as as this big ensemble effort. And yeah. it really is. It, it's really encompassing of absolutely everybody in the main cast at this point. Uh, at which point there's kind of two new people here in season 2. There's this major uh though I guess he's in season 1, but they, they keep him around pretty consistently in season 2. I wasn't they expecting do. to see him so often. Uh he's just kind of this drunk um abrasive <laughs> foolish man. And uh and then there's a chef character that they also bring in. And yes. and as this sort of rat's coming around uh, or the, as they're trying to chase this rat around and find him uh because Manuel is so loving to the rat and it, and it's wonderful that this episode's Manuel is so, I guess what uh, not present, but uh, not active. Uh, there, there's there's uh, there's a word. Uh, he has a lot of agency in this episode, and it's really great that yeah. like the first half is him trying to essentially save his rat, and the second half are is the entire staff trying to find the rat because in Manuel, who is uh, somewhat a, a punching bag for uh, Basil's character or, or what Basil kind of takes a lot of his frustrations out on, as Definitely. Manuel is sort of uh, inexpensive uh, as far as employees go. Um, though everybody is, and he, he's, a, he's a very yeah. compassionate character who is somewhat bad at his job, uh, and there is a bit of a language barrier that they play with, And, and but to be honest, it, what's funny, and this was actually one of my favorite lines, and I'm not sure if that, I don't believe it's in this episode, uh, but Polly, uh, one of the other hotel employees, at one point Basil asks, "What do we pay you for?" And she goes, "For the staying like power. Like basically, you're paying me because I'm the only person who's going to stick around. Like we are the employees that you have." Uh, so you have this character like Manuel, who's really compassionate, but ultimately gets them. You know, they they don't work well together, and so there's a lot of trouble there, and there's a lot of fun there. Uh, and so watching seeing him trying to save this rat and everybody else running around uh trying to find it while while they're trying to keep it from the health inspector and other guests and whatnot um it is sort of a fun way to keep everybody involved even the major plays uh, yeah. a, you know sorry for the word major uh role in in the final scene <laughs> where they present a, a box of biscuits to the health inspector and he you know the rat is revealed uh, to him it's a fun episode it's a really fun episode um and and I'm happy that it does give everybody its due. But I thought I thought Manuel was it's interesting because he's he's introduced like a scene or two later than everybody else. And I, around the time he was introduced, I was like, is Man, are they going to use Manuel a lot in the finale? And they do absolutely. So
0: yeah. And didn't this finale air like a long time after the rest of the season because I think BBC was having a strike
1: yeah there was a strike that happens right before production um there are all sorts of like weird stories here S- series two airs like four years after the first one and Man. I couldn't imagine like watching a series waiting four years and then waiting six more months for the finale uh when there's only like five weeks before that of of show it's really interesting uh but yeah a strike did delay the production and i think it forced a casting change at some point. Though that's all detailed out in this amazing documentary um that was like made for broadcast on BBC and it was Ooh. called Faulty Towers Reopened. Uh it's about an hour 15 and it's it's found on YouTube and it is where I've gotten a lot of the the knowledge that I have of the behind workings of this series. Uh and it's it's well told through the entire production team um about, you know, the series and whatnot. And they're very fond of this episode as well. Tracy, you said this was your favorite episode.
0: This is my favorite episode. I like, and for similar reasons. I know that, you know, creators have listed it because it's like the best example of the ensemble working together. And I think that's true. You know, as we've noted, looking at previous episodes, they're at odds until they have a common enemy, basically. (laughs) And in this episode, it's a rat. And I think that just like heightens the humor even more. They're trying to kind of evade the health inspector who could actually shut them down. I think it works really well as a series finale too because of that, because it's clearly kind of like they found that the health inspector sees the rat. So you're kind of going as the assumption as a viewer of like, well, now this hotel's probably getting shut down <laughs> or at least shut down for some time. Right. So it works on both, you know, kind of like literal and bigger narrative levels and yeah that's that's like the main thing i really like about that episode it just does seem to wrap up the whole series really well because in the first season you have the overall hotel inspectors that mostly just see you know people acting immature (laughs) but and you do see in that first season that it's really more following basil with the hotel inspectors more and how he's handling each situation and kind of getting frustrated with everyone. And then this one you're really seeing them all come together and they're all kind of at that same level of frustration. So, it is kind of and you know, you have to think about that and go like is it great that they've all taken on the Basil persona in crisis? Hard to <laughs> say, but it's fun seeing that progression of they're all really invested at that point because I think before it's true it's kind of like the quote you said from Polly it's like a lot of them do kind of go throughout their day and the reason why the show is funny is they're kind of dejected and <laughs> not devoted yes. and that's what's really fun is that you're just seeing people who are like I don't want to be here is like their main attitude yeah. and they work There's... in hospitality it's the very much they're working on that oxymoron of like the most inhospitable <laughs> hospitality staff
1: right no there's there's this real honesty here where it's like if you took this hotel away from these people they'd all live far happier lives (laughs) it's amazing it's it's i don't know i've i've seen those like everybody's seen those environments uh it's what makes the show great is that kind of honesty is that kind of like wow this is these people together at their worst absolutely at their worst uh And which is also what kind of makes it compelling when they have to work together at their worst to overcome (laughs) things.
0: Yeah, you definitely get that same feel that you get from a lot of dry comedies that you see made later on of when you relate to the characters on the show, you're not being your best version of yourself. (laughs) And But at the same time, that's why it's an authentic show is because everyone has those thoughts in those days where they're just like, I do not want to deal with this. I would like to take the low road. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's where Basil only takes the low road. <laughs> There's no way where he just lets anything go. It's always like, I have to have the last word. I have to, you know, duke it out with whoever. So, yeah, that's that's why the show is very comforting in a way. Even though you're like, it's not comforting in the way that I would think about this is a hotel I'd want to stay at. <laughs> no, <not> at all. <laughs> this is the hotel you want to check out but yeah it's the show has made more recent news with the episode of the germans which is another very edgy episode of comedy it's weirdly listed on a lot of like directors and creators favorite episodes of television but it does rightfully have a caveat for using a bit of offensive and dated material but basically it uh, goes through Basil having German guests and him making having a concussion and then must making many world war ii references at their expense and it, you can watch the episode to see it go through but yeah it mostly was a topic of discussion cuz BBC wasn't sure if like other streaming platforms like HBO Max and Netflix, if they should take certain episodes off that they weren't sure if viewers you know, could get the wrong idea from. They took it off initially. John Cleese really made his <laughs> very worded, not sugar-coated plea for why he thinks it should stay. I think they compromised at it by uh, putting a preface at the beginning that there was kind of like explicit and, you know, potentially kind of offensive I'm not sure of the exact wording content that you might see I think when we were t- thinking about it before is similar to how they've kind of done a preface on certain shows like Looney Tunes or other things that have also kind of done these like characterizations of political or <laughs> wartime figures that are you know have done some bad evil stuff right and they want people to realize that they're making fun of you know dictators and horrible people and not glorifying them and so they just want to make sure that you know people get the correct idea that it's like we're making fun of this not making you know a spotlight on it is i think the the best way to word this but yeah it, it got a lot of heat Because of that. And then I think the BBC made a resolution on how to frame how that episode is presented. But it's, I think it is a pretty uh, memorable (laughs) episode from the series, no matter where you you look at it.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, It it is memorable. It's one, and through all of this, we're not even talking about the amazing. Segment about the fire alarm versus the yes. <laughs> burglar alarm while they <laughs> line up all the guests to try to do a drill about it. Um, I, yeah, definitely. Like the, the file got pulled down. Uh, they put a disclaimer. Obviously, like when you're making fun of someone who, you know, obviously they're making fun of the, the people saying the bad things. But because it was made in 1975, they're using language that we have done away with. Uh yes. so that black you know the little the screen that air, that airs right at the top of the episode that tells you to brace for it that's that's totally fine. Um but yeah it's and it is it's a it's a fun zany episode. Uh and it's a little wild and it's definitely yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely it was something pushing that pushing the
0: envelope then it pushes the envelope now. Yeah it you're not going to see it in definitely remix. showing how you know outrageous (laughs) the writing and this cast can be and you know you're getting you're getting all that and it is good to contextualize that it was in 1975 so they're making fun of things that you know in a way in that time period that they you know it was still edgy then but they also yeah I think throughout this show if you are watching faulty towers they do definitely have since it's an older show references and verbiage that would not fly now, right? Our That's... you know, the,
1: the 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 you know the way we navigate conversations uh, with certain older family members or grandparents. You know, it, just imagine the way that they were navigating conversations with their older family it, members. Exactly. Uh, those are the characters <laughs> that you have air in this episode. Uh, and, yes. Um, yeah, but otherwise, it's 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 a pretty fantastic loud uh, romp of an episode, really. Yeah
0: it It shows the brashness of this show, yes. which is which is a big part of the character of this sitcom is kind of like they're always going to go to the extreme. They're always going to say the worst thing at the worst possible moment and make their guests feel as unwelcome as possible. yeah <laughs> with with the exception of, you know, the major that just decides to be a long-term guest, and you're like, I guess you're just very into this environment. You know, there's certain episodes and that where they have like the thing where they find like the dead body in one of the rooms. And that's actually a premise that comes on Shit's Creek later where they're running the motel and, you know, they're like, someone hasn't checked out and then they inspect the room and it's a very older person who had died in their sleep. And you, you do look at how like shit's creek is mostly about the entire town and the family and not so much about the motel but if they made a show about the motel it does play a similar energy to faulty towers that being said shit's creek's very smart and very like i would say more progressive <laughs> right. in its writing and faulty towers is almost like i wouldn't say the opposite but it's it's just like a very different tone so you're just getting like different ways to kind of do the lower budget hotel (laughs) experience because when you're looking at this the faulty towers you're not thinking like people are coming here for a luxury stay no it definitely seems like you know the kind of hotel that maybe has like a Denny's attached (laughs) to it or something and if it was in the US so yeah it's it's a really good time. It's I think a lot of the fun facts are behind the scenes, like the fact that, you know, we've mentioned before, it's based on this Glen Eagles hotel in Torquay where John Cleese stayed at while filming Monty Python's Flying Circus. And yeah, the hotel owner, Donald Sinclair, he's used as his name for an eccentric billionaire character if you've ever seen the movie Rat Race as well. So he was really attached <laughs> to <laughs> made, this. You know, this person really made career. a huge impact on his life where he's like, I'm just going to make this guy like into so many characters throughout my career. <laughs> and yeah, it said that each script took six weeks to write, five days to rehearse, and one evening to record in the studio in front of a live audience which is a pretty quick turnaround time when you think about it. So that being said, there were four years in between those. So maybe right. those weeks were pretty intense. Um, yeah. And a lot of these facts I am getting from the IMDB trivia section. We will include all of the links in the show notes. But yeah, even as the series progressed, one of the kind of Easter eggs you can look out for in the beginning is that the letters for faulty towers will be rearranged and misspelled. So some of the variations you might see are watery fowls, farty tower, flay otters, fatty owls, warty towels, flowery tots, and farty towels. So lots of, lots of gross out humor <laughs> for there. And yeah, they were, they were apparently, according to this trivia production team member, Supplied the hotel sign anagrams supposedly left by aggrieved paper points. <laughs> um, yeah. And so uh, makes they sense. have. That's who, they, yeah.
1: That's who Basil would be fighting. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's fun to see how this show has, you know, really, st- in a way, I'm, I wouldn't say it stood the test of time because, yeah, there have been definitely critiques of some of the. Some of the mentions within the episodes, but it is one that really started something for workplace comedies, definitely of the dysfunctional nature, <laughs> and how those became such a special place in our streaming platforms. Because I have to say, I think if you look at a lot of the shows we watch now, it's you know, you're looking at a lot this kind of character setup and these kind of situations where you're like you know, this stuff keeps happening again and again. I even think about shows like Superstore where, you know, each episode is kind of something catastrophic (laughs) has (laughs) happened in the store. And as much as, you know, people are kind of like, you know, how does it always go to this extremes every time something like this happens? And I kind of find myself going like, maybe not externally, but internally, I think it does. (laughs) So I think it's very cathartic to watch Basil kind of like have these outbursts that everyone would kind of like to have when they're being slided (laughs) in some way. But you know, you're mature enough to know that you can't always do that in every situation. I think that part's fun. I think if you're looking at, yeah, the way he interacts with polly and kind of how she shuts them down sometimes you're like that's that's pretty fun and knowing their dynamic in real life and then yeah connie's character some of the comments they make between the two you are kind of like ooh, that uh <laughs> 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 the those are some harsh words between the both of you. But I also like that regardless of what kind of like snafu they've had argument wise, she usually just kind of like gets on the phone, cigarette in hand, and it's just like, nah, like she, she what's funny is like, she seems kind of the opposite where she really can't be bothered by all of the fires going on in the hotel. And he's the one where it's just like, you know, one toe is out of line and he's unraveled so you're just seeing kind of that like I think it's kind of cool too because if you're thinking of the time period of the 70s you're watching this guy who's very much playing the hysterical character and you're seeing a woman who always keeps her cool and that was always kind of like a sexist trope that was played in other sitcoms and you're watching that be flipped on theirs so I like seeing that too for like a interesting i wonder if that was intentional or just one of those like since this whole show is based on a real life hotel and their staff you're like maybe that's just how they were maybe they were overthinking it by reading into it
1: i don't think so uh i was watching that documentary and there's actually a lot about that there's a lot about how john cleese was writing basil and manuel and connie was writing sybil and Polly, and there's actually a good amount of that documentary that gets into uh, Basil and Sybil's marriage and wow. what it means that they live in twin beds next to each other and like the sexless life of Basil and like why Sybil's sticking around and they really do dive into all of that and like, what's behind it and it's actually one of the more interesting parts of the, uh, of, of the documentary, definitely, uh, something I definitely recommend uh, if, anyone's at all interested in, in faulty towers and and wants to hear more. Like this is, it it is really great and it does shed a lot of light. Um, And that's, it's, it's really fun when it gets into that. There's also, there's, uh, I want to mention this is like another thing about like Basil and his short bursts is there's this, the, the line that sold me on the show very early on, and it's in somewhere in the second or third episode is there's something happening at the front desk and Basil turns to, I forget who, uh, but he very calm, uh, he not very calmly, but he, you know, he, you know, he's fuming down inside. Uh, but he says, you know, I was in the Korean war. I've killed four people. Uh, and that was where I was like, all right, this explains, uh, a lot of behavior that you see in the show. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. That was, that was, that was the line that sold me on the character.
0: It's kind of giving you that Red Foreman moment. Yeah. <laughs> where, where it's like, he takes his wartime and be like, you know I've done this before, or you wouldn't know. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, and it Which, explains
1: why he's able to sort of, like, be able to calmly speak to the Major, you know, um, and tolerate him in a way that he doesn't always, all the other characters. Uh, there is a really interesting, uh, there, there are interesting dynamics. There are really honest dynamics uh, yeah. throughout this throughout this series it's it's really well written
0: and i also read that they added the chef on as a character because they felt while watching the show that the hotel seemed short staffed which when you watch it you are getting the feeling oh no it is short-staffed. <laughs> and you kind of thought that was the point like aren't they supposed to isn't like you know the reason all of these problems are happening again short staffed
1: in the germans episode paulie asks when she's supposed to go upstairs and file everyone down for the fire drill she asks, "Well, I'm only here during uh, meal hours. Who does this when I'm not here?" And Basil's like, ah, "We'll figure that out if that happens." Like, we don't need to panic. Um
0: I wish they they do. They but- just never have a backup plan or are organized, which is why it's so easy to take a thread and completely, you know, yeah. unravel any sort of structure that they have, which is what happens every episode. Someone is able to pick out a thread just by, you know, ordering a different dish that they're like, "Mm, but no one orders that or, you know, asking for a specific wine or just one little detail just kind of sets them all off so easily. And that's, that's, what's really fun. I think that's a very unique aspect of this show is that the actual show and the making of the show are almost equally entertaining. If you're someone who really likes the making of shows, I mean, obviously the actual show is really great writing and entertaining more so in that way. But the kind of fun facts behind each one, if you're you know and I think if you're watching, not watching, listening to this show, you are probably a TV nerd like we are. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun seeing kind of like how each episodes came to be. It's also, I think the fact that it really did come from this actual experience they had and became so much bigger than just being annoyed at your hotel stay. (laughs) Instead of writing a Yelp review, write a sitcom. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's our, that's our kind of pitch for you guys to re-watch faulty towers where you can because it's it's one show where when you watch it i feel like you can understand other shows really well and also you know similar to watching you know, animes and wanting to get that movie afterwards to just kind of stay in that world longer. I think that's kind of like the documentary for this show works well like that too. It's kind of the like, you're like, I'm, I kind of need a little bit more from this, (laughs) from this era. You can get your, your fix that way too. And and it's kind of probably similar if you're a huge Monty Python fan, you're like, I want to see a little bit more John Cleese. It's like, well, here you have it. You have them in this. And then he goes on to make a lot more stuff. But,
1: And I can attest, yeah. if you have not cashed in your BritBox seven-day trial on Prime Video, the uh, series is only 12 episodes, and uh, yeah. you can definitely do that within that amount of time. Uh, that's Faulty Towers. Yeah. And that's Primetime Party time. Where can you find us? You can find us here at uh, ptptshow.com Monday nights at 9pm. Thank you for joining us. This show couldn't have been made without the following amazing people. We're talking our artwork was done by Fan Find her at Fenn Latte on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jaywrightmusic.com uh, Website uh, thanks to Coco. Uh, you can find previous episodes of us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to our podcasts. Uh, hit us up by sending us an email at info at show.com on our voicemail on our homepage, chat box on the homepage. Uh, if you want to rant, roast, and rave, we are here. Uh, you cannot visit the Faulty Towers Set Hotel. It burned down in the early 90s. But if you're looking for a Faulty Towers-esque experience in NoHo, uh, there's a fish and chips place that I won't tell you about. Uh, because I'm embarrassed that I've actually gone there. But it's the full experience, uh, complete with uh, some great Yelp reviews, like Pray I Make It Through the Night. Uh, That's prime time, party time, faulty towers.
0: So now we're on a different kind of cliffhanger of where is this fish and chips establishment? I'll never tell. We're, I'll we're never tell. We're so curious now. It's um,
1: uh, Yeah, no, it was, uh, that, that's a place. That's a place. Where's the
0: fish and chips place? <laughs> it's relevant it's, to the episode.